Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Tonight we return once again to the book of Jonah. If you'll, for the last time, we go uh, go to Jonah. Uh, at least that's my plan is for it, this to be the last time. I don't know. God might uh, show me something else. Uh, uh, he's always showing us new things and we ought not to ever limit God. Uh, as we were talking in discipleship training, uh, uh, we can't describe God because if you put God in a box, He's not God. Uh, he's If you can limit God to a description, then He's not uh, the unlimited, uh, all-powerful uh, Creator God that He is. And so we uh, we seek to, to follow His direction. and But that's the plan, is for us to finish up uh, with Jonah tonight, uh, uh, back to the Old Testament and the book of Jonah. Now we have been looking at Jonah and his life and we have been hopefully learning a lot about uh, the nature of God and and the nature of uh, Jonah and man. And uh, when we looked at chapter 3, I know it's been a while since we have uh, visited Jonah, but chapter 3 was all about Nineveh and about that Assyrian uh, city uh, that was an important city, important to God, important that uh, God desired for that city to hear the gospel message. Well, not we would typify it as the gospel message uh, today, but uh, this was a word of warning. It was a word of God's coming judgment and God's uh, desire for them to change their lives. That's very much what the gospel is for us, uh, although we know the aspect of Jesus and His death on the cross, a substitutionary death for our atonement. Uh, these people were simply hearing uh, that God was displeased with their actions and desired that they would change. And they repented, they came to God, and it, it was the scene of a, a citywide Revival. I, I've been a part of revivals. I've even uh, been uh, uh, part of uh, Billy Graham revivals when they came to Charlotte when, as a boy and I was growing up, uh, able to go and see him there at the Coliseum and be a part of that experience of, of experiencing a, a massive revival services and, and God changing uh, uh, people's lives. But... Uh, even Billy Graham couldn't do what Jonah uh, was led of God to do, and that was simply to to share God's message, and it spread through a city, uh, that's the whole city. Uh, and we're told that uh, Nineveh was a great city. And we hear uh, in the last chapter of how great. Uh, that city was in God's uh, admonition of Jonah. So let's look at chapter 4 and we'll see uh, what's happening in the last part. And, uh, we see in verse 1 it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Jonah is seeing what God is doing 
in the life of the people of Nineveh. And, he's, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to, to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou uh, well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat in the east side of the city and made and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till uh, he might see what would come of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad uh, for the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the uh, morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise, and God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished it in himself to die and said it is better for me to die than to live and God said to Jonah dost thou well to be angry for the gourd and he said I do well to be angry and even unto death and then said the Lord thou hast had pity on the gourd for uh, the which uh, thou hast not labored neither uh, madest it grow, which, made, uh, uh, which came up in a night and perished in the night. And should I not spare Nineveh, a, that great city, wherein there are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right and hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? So this is kind of uh, difficult for some to understand this, what we have here are two sections in chapter 4. We first see Jonah's reaction to what God has done in Nineveh. Nineveh has had this great uh, revival. 126,000 people have come to know, uh, have come to repentance to God. Uh, that's, uh, that's a lot of people. I mean, that's a major city. Uh, thinking of, and even in terms of today, 126,000 people, that's a, a major city to have the whole city turn back to God. And that's what's happening. Jonah said, see God, I told you. Uh, and here's Jonah, he's upset that God is gracious, he's merciful, he's loving, he is uh, uh uh, willing to turn from his wrath at, at the repentance of the people. Uh, all the things that you would imagine that, uh, that we would be thankful for that God has done this. But Jonah's not talking about himself. He's talking about Nineveh, his enemy. You see, Jonah is well, uh, is is very accepting of God's graciousness and love and his uh, slow to anger and his desire to forgive when it's Jonah that's receiving it, but not his enemy. He doesn't want his enemy 
the Ninevites to receive this. And he says, God, look, I told you what was going to happen. If I went through and, and uh, testified, as prophesied as you've called me to, then I knew this was going to... And Jonah is kind of giving us the rationale for why he did what he did and running away from his uh, responsibility to share. He says, uh, this is what I was... Um, this is why I did this. He said, I fled because, uh, to Tarshish because I knew that you're gracious and that you're merciful and slow to anger, have great kindness, and you repented of the evil. He's talking about the, the, the judgment of these people. He says, I knew that you would do this because of how gracious you are. So he says, that's why I fled. I didn't want to be part of it. You see, Jonah is is uh, uh, still stuck in his ways, even though he's gone through the experience of being swallowed. Being Well, really, uh, let's be honest. Here is Jonah, and he uh, gives himself up to be thrown into the, uh, to the ocean to keep from going to fulfill God's desire and he's as he's remember as he was sinking down into the depths he called out to God and God caused the great fish to swallow him up and 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 the Bible says that that God uh how does he put it he uh prepared a great fish uh, this word prepared has a po- uh, just a wallop of, of meaning in it. It means that the whole purpose of this fish was not like any purpose of any fish before. It was solely God created this fish to swallow Jonah. It was uh, it was set aside for that. That's what this word means. That God had. Uh, destined for this fish in terms that we can understand today it's he created this fish for the sole purpose of delivering jonah from death and so here's jonah and he's he's uh basically uh consigned himself to death to keep from sharing the gospel but or sharing the message the prophecy of god and as he laments this, and as he he comes to, we would say he came to a census in the belly of the fish because he begins to to pray out and cry out to God for deliverance. And once the the great fish does spit him out on dry land, he does go and fulfills what God's called him to do. But his heart's not changed, and his really his heart's not in it, is it? Because he's 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 sitting there and he's bemoaning the fact that God is forgiving. And so that's the first section here. The first couple of verses there is that uh, uh, that God has shown mercy. And Jonah is saying, I would just, he's saying, Lord, Lord, just take me out now. I don't want to see my enemy, the Ninevites, to receive your your glory, your your forgiveness. Then we have a whole nother section in verses 5 through 11. This is kind of stepping back. Now, it gives the impression in the scripture here as you read it, it gives the kind of an idea that, that, uh, 
that after Jonah has this desire to die, after seeing that Nineveh is spared, that he then goes and waits. But what has really happened is that um, God is speaking to him and this is kind of a step back and seeing what's happened before what happened the first couple of verses of chapter 4. This is a reflection back. And what happens is is that uh, Jonah is going out after he has shared the message. He's gone from west to east and he's sitting in the eastern portion uh, outside of Nineveh, outside of the city. And he's sitting there and he's waiting to see what God's going to do. Now remember what his message is. In 40 days, God's going to bring judgment on Nineveh. Forty days, God's going to uh, to destroy Nineveh. It won't be anything like what you've uh, you've experienced before. So, what is Jonah doing? He's sitting to the east of the city, out in the desert. He's sitting there in this arid uh, place, and he's waiting for forty days to see what God's going to do. Jonah is uh, there wanting to see the fireworks. He's wanting to see God rain down fire from heaven or, or cause, uh, cause the earth to open up and swallow Nineveh. He's waiting for God to, to reach down with his thumb and squirt and, and squish Nineveh. He's waiting for God to do something. And so as he's out there and he's not... He, he doesn't have resources like we have here. He doesn't have a whole bunch of trees and timber and, and brush and things like that. He's got stones and clay and maybe a, some light brush that's uh, kind of like uh, we would experience in terms of tumbleweed or something. It, it, there's just uh, light sage brush that's available for him and he's made a shelter there. And he's sitting out there and he's waiting, kind of on a, a raised up hill area to see what God's going to do to Nineveh. He's rooting for God to come and destroy Nineveh. He's, he's not rooting for Nineveh to, to, uh, to experience revival. He's waiting to see what God's going to do to his enemy. And... So he's sitting there waiting and it's, he's being parched by the sun. And so God causes a gourd to, to come up and a gourd, gourd leaf is, uh, has, uh, gourd has leafy uh, branches to it. And so it provides a cover for Jonah that he doesn't have in the resources that is available to him. And so he rejoices in the gourd. He's happy because it shades him. It it gives him comfort from the the searing sun. This is the scene that's being uh, described. And then, so this gourd kind of springs up overnight. And the next, uh, during that night after the sun's been up and, and uh, Jonah's enjoyed the shade of the gourd, God calls, uh, and listen, the same word here that is prepared a gourd, you notice that? That's the same word that is used when it talks about the great fish prepared. God, so God destined a, a gourd 
that God created a gourd just simply to come up and shade Jonas. He's sitting there watching. And then it also says he prepared a worm. He prepared uh, a... Over there in uh, verse 7, he prepared a worm in the morning uh, and the gourd was gone. It had been withered because of this worm. God dest- uh, created this worm to come and destroy the gourd. It was an object lesson for uh, Jonah. God gave the shade of the gourd just long enough for Jonah to be appreciative of it. And then he, all- he took it away so he could sit there and, and talk to Jonah about priorities, about what's significant, about what's important. God comes to Jonah and He says, uh, Jonah, why are you angry? Why are you all upset? Because Jonah's over there moping and moaning and, and carrying on. You know, we go through stages in life that we're like that too, don't we? I mean, we, we, we get into those places where, no, no, not at all, uh-uh. We get in those places where we just consign ourselves, oh, everybody's against me, and we go and we flop down on the bed and we uh, uh, sob into the pillow because we don't like what's going on. And this is what Jonah's doing. He's, he's saying, God, just take me out of here. I don't want to see what... And you see how this has to be a reflection back because he's already had this discussion of wanting to die in the first couple of uh, verses. He says that here. Well, this is an explanation of how they got that first couple of verses. And so Jonah's sitting there and he's bemoaning the fact that the gourd is, is withered and he's coming to the realization that God's not going to destroy Nineveh. And God comes to him and confirms that to him. He said, God says to Jonah in verse 9, He says, um, You're angry about this gourd that was here today and gone, uh, here yesterday and gone today. He said, you're so angry and upset that you're, willing, you're ready to die. And he says, um, you have great emotion about this gourd that was just simply giving you shade. God said it was just a, a plant, just a leaf to give you shade. It did nothing for you, but just simply give you shade for a day. And you're all upset about that. God said, I, uh, He says, Why shouldn't I have great pity? He says, You're having pity over this gourd. Why shouldn't I have greater pity on this 126,000 people? we get a little bit better insight in terms of, of why God sent Jonah to Nineveh. God says, look, they don't know their right from their left. This is, you know, this is a, a, an expression that's come down through the ages, I think. God says, these people, they don't know their right from their left. What they're really saying, and he's really saying in this idiot, idiomatic expression is, is that they're... 
they're spiritually innocent. They don't, he's basically saying they don't even, they're doing wrong and they don't even realize they're doing wrong. That's what this expression of they don't know their right from their left. He says they don't even know, realize that they're doing wrong or when they're doing right. They have no concept of what wrong is because they haven't had that explained to them. Well, now they have and they've repented. And so God says, this is why I've had pity on them. I wanted to explain to them that they were doing wrong and give them that opportunity. He says, I have great concern for this great city. There's more than 126,000 people there. Now, it's not including the, the uh, livestock. He says, there's, uh, there's great numbers of people and I've had pity on them. And here you are, you're upset about a silly gourd when you're not upset about the, this great number of people. To try and put this in a little bit of perspective, I, I have always loved animals. I've, I've always, uh, as a child, I've had dogs and cats, and I've, I enjoy having dogs and cats, and I've had dogs, and I, and I wouldn't uh, dare do anything to harm an animal. But there are certain people in our community as well as all over the United States that they... Uh, when they see something being done to animals, they get all bent out of shape. And, you know, I, I'm, I, again, I'm not one that advocates for chaining up a dog and not feeding it until it's skin and bones. That's not, that's not what I'm saying here. Um, but there are some people that equate personhood to animals. And they're more concerned about an animal than they are about children that are, are being abused and, and infants that are being aborted from uh, their mother's wombs. They're more concerned about uh, the well-being of an animal over uh, whether or not uh, people are losing their life in uh, war-torn countries. And to me, it just doesn't make sense to have more... Yes, let's have concern for animals. Yes, let's do what we can to to not see animals abused, but let's also not ignore what's going on with other people, with other human beings, with those who are unborn. Let's put things in perspective. These are humans. These are animals. Humans are different from animals. Humans have a soul. Animals are precious. Animals are animals, though, and we don't equate animals with human beings. And God's saying to Jonah, this gourd did a lot of good for you, but it's not a human being. It's not a person. It's not... You're all upset about the fact that this gourd is gone. Shouldn't you be more concerned with the well-being of these 126,000 people that I've called you to share my message with? And see, that's the, that's the whole thing that God's trying to help uh, Jonah to understand. And we uh, look, we sit there and we see what Jonah's doing. Oh, I'd never do anything like Jonah's doing. No, 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 no. I would never, never have that opinion of people like Jonah. Oh, really? 
God has a way of, of you know, thumping us off of the, over the, uh, the top of the head like your parent did when you did something stupid. Um, God, God has a way of pointing out our, our silliness and stupidity at times as well. We, we say that we would never do anything like Jonah and have this kind of attitude. But, uh, you know, we need to understand that God is the God of all, not just us. God is the God of all, not just people that are like us. God is uh, there and God is willing to love and show His mercy and His compassion, His grace to everyone, not just those of us that kind of meet our criteria. We want to say, okay, I, uh, God's there for you and, and God wants to forgive you and, and, and God wants to extend to you the way of salvation. But what happens if we replace the person that looks like us, acts like us, with, say, somebody that has uh, piercings all over their body and tattoos all up and uh, down their arms? Yes, God loves them just as much as He loves us. Um, some of us would say, okay, well, uh, what about, uh, you know, uh, God is, yes, God's for those people, but not other people. Look, God is a God of love and compassion for all, not just those we're comfortable with sharing the gospel with. And we are called to share the gospel with everyone, not just people that meet our criteria. Like we were discussing earlier, uh, God extends His love for those, even for those who've gotten themselves uh, involved in satanic worship. God is a God of compassion and love, even for those who've gotten involved in cult, uh, cult activities. God is a God of love and compassion for those who have uh, waged uh, holy jihad against others and have killed in the name of a false god. God is a God of love and compassion for the dictator who murders millions of his own people. God is a God of love and compassion for even for the person who has uh, no desire to do anything good for anyone but themselves. God is a God of love and compassion for uh, those who we would deem as deserving of God's love and those whom we would deem as not deserving God's love because of, guess what it's not our decision to make Jonah is is sitting here making a determination he's placing himself on the level of God and saying God I God I appreciate the fact that you've given us the Israelites love and compassion but those Ninevites they don't deserve it God says oh yes they do and in our own life, we do the same thing. We say, oh God, we praise you for loving us. But, uh, and we're kind of like that in the par uh, parable that Jesus shared about the Samaritan and the... Uh, uh, in, remember the, the, the parable about the Samaritan and the uh, lawyer? They're both in the temple and you've got the, the Pharisee and he's over there saying... Oh, God, I thank you. I'm not like this guy over here. And I praise you that I've done this and I've done that and all that. And then Jesus talks about the Samaritan and about how repentant he is. 
Look, the Pharisee is like one of us. He's, he's, he's the wrong guy, though. We would say that, you know, okay, he's somebody that's been in Sunday school all of his life. He's learned, uh, he's been in vacation Bible school every year. And he's uh, at church every Sunday and all that kind of thing. But he's the one in the wrong. Because he's saying, look at that person over there. That person over there is the worst of the worst. In modern day terms, we'd say, look, look at that prostitute over there that's come in here and is trying to, to, to come in here and pray. God, I thank you. I'm not like her. I'm not like that prostitute that sells herself to other people and does all those uh, bad things. Guess what? Jesus says, look, it's not what you see on the outside. It's what I see in the condition of the heart. That prostitute, Jesus died on the cross for her. That person that's addicted to, to every drug under the sun, Jesus died on the cross for that person. That person that is so wrapped up in sinful behavior and has gotten their life all mixed up and they're all hyped up on, on all kinds of things. Yes, Jesus died even for them. And we're not the ones that need to make that decision. We need to simply be obedient to go and to share the message of God and allow God to work in their life. Here, Jonah, and this is such a, a different view of the servant of God. All throughout the Bible, we see the messengers of God, the prophets of God. This, uh, this book of Jonah is in the minor prophets. He's one of the prophets here. And in every one of the other prophets, we see a prophet that comes out and he speaks the Word of God. He is someone who is doing what God has called him to do. And here Jonah comes in and he's nothing like any of the other prophets. Yes, he does come and share the message of God. Yes, he does speak on behalf of God, but his life is all mixed up. He's not got his heart right. And I think this is why Jonah is in the Bible, for us to understand we can be saying all the right things, but our heart can be so wrong. That, that Pharisee in the temple, he was saying all the right things, but his heart wasn't right. It was the Samaritan that had the penitent heart. It was the Samaritan that was, that was beating his chest saying, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. It was the Samaritan who was pleading for God's forgiveness. And it was the Pharisee who was so far off because he didn't understand that it wasn't in his power, his, what he did that brings salvation. It's what God does. And here we see in Jonah the fact that God is God of all nations, not just the people of Israel, not just the people of God that was set aside for a purpose and a task for God, but God is God of all people. God is willing to share His forgiveness, His mercy, His grace to all. And it underscores the reason why we must carry the message of God to the uttermost parts of the earth, to share God's love for, to everyone. But we've got the uttermost parts of the earth 
that have come here. And we don't have to all necessarily go throughout the whole world to be able to share the gospel with the Hindu, to share the gospel with the Buddhist, to go share the gospel with someone from Romania because those people are coming here where we live. And we have opportunities to share through the Internet. We have ways of connecting with people all over the world. And we ought to be sharing the gospel. We've been given so many gifts of being able to, uh, of communication, of reaching out, of expanding beyond our four walls. Look, we, we, our world used to be a world where you only knew the people in your village, your community. And there are some places in this, this world that's still that way. But with I can pick up I can pick up my cell phone, and I if I had the right numbers I could dial into this cell phone and call somebody on the other side of the world, and we could sh- and we have that capability of posting things on the internet that people can pick up all over this world. We have a way and a means of, of spread, spreading the gospel through television, through the internet, through so many mediums. And yet we're doing the same thing that Jonah's doing. We're running and hiding and avoiding doing what God has called us to do. And that is to share His love, share His message, share His message of forgiveness to everyone and allowing everyone to hear what God wants for us. God said to Jonah, do you have the right to be angry that that gourd is gone? And what God is really saying is, is, are you trying to say that you have greater judgment than I? Jonah was judging that the people of Nineveh were undeserving of God's grace despite what they did. And all too often we do the same by not sharing the gospel and not vocalizing what God has done for us to someone who's so close to us as a family member, as a neighbor, as people all around us that we just simply don't share. And God says, do you have the right? Do you, should you be the one who judges? And this, the message of Jonah is, is, no, we don't have that right. We're not the judge. We're the messenger. We're the vessel. And this is so very evident in Jonah. Jonah didn't. Jonah was a prophet of God. He was given a message and he was sent to share the message. He wasn't sent to lead a revival. He wasn't sent to transform the lives of the people in that city. He wasn't there to tell them that they all the things that they were doing wrong. He was simply sent to share the message of God and what God was telling those people. We are we should not take on the responsibility so many times we take on the responsibility of trying to save someone else. But that's not our task. Our task is to share the message. It's the Holy Spirit's task to convict a heart. It's the Holy Spirit's task to call someone to salvation. It's the Holy Spirit's task to save an individual. It's the Holy Spirit's task to to change and transform the lives of those people. As we were talking about the Trinity and studying about the... uh, the, uh, 
theology of God, the, uh, the uh, understanding the deity of God. It's the Holy Spirit's task to do all those things. Jesus, His task was to provide a way of salvation. God the Father's task was to, to allow God the Son to go and to pay the price and to send Him uh, to do that. And we see all uh, those tasks of, of God and it's those things that God does. We're not called to be God. As Jonah wasn't called to, to make judgment on the people of Nineveh, we're not called to give judgment on others. We're just simply called to be a messenger, to be a prophet of God, to testify of God's love, to testify of what He's done for us and allow God to do His uh, calling of that individual, of saving that individual, of changing their life. That is what God is teaching us. And so we need to just stop. We need to be less judging. We need to not presume that we know what God knows. We need to just simply be faithful, obedient to God. Obedient as He's called us to to share that gospel message. And so that's our task, is to share the love of God. Share His message and allow God's message of love and His compassion, His grace, and His mercy to touch that person's life. Allow that that to work in them and not think that we're the ones to change their life. Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for the for the message of Jonah and for the 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 lesson that we learn in Jonah of 